0: So many of us in our lifetime, uh, probably most of us in fact, question about it, this is a toxic relationship. These are the type of relationships and friendships that as Christ followers, as people that have, have said, you know what, I am putting my full faith and trust in Jesus, what he did, I'm submitting my life to his, he's the boss of my life. As Christ followers, we know that those relationships are leading us in a direction away from God we know that those are toxic relationships. Those relationships are kind of like, as Harley said last week, swimming in a pool of battery acid, we jump in, or if you jump in, you know it's not going to turn out very good. Now, in this series that we've been talking about for the last three weeks, and then we're going to finish up this morning, we're not talking about the obvious toxic relationship. We're not talking about that relationship. Uh, Because, again, to know something is poisonous, and then go ahead and drink the poison, there's not a teaching series that we can put together that's going to make an impact in that scenario. But in the cases of friendships that we think are healthy, on the surface, in fact, they, they look healthy. People might say to us, man, that's, that's a great relationship that you have there. In the case of that relationship that we think is headed in the right direction, which by the way, for a follower of Jesus, the only relationship heading in the right direction is a relationship that is pointing us toward God. For that relationship. That uh, we think it's going in the right direction. It looks like it's going in the right direction. People are telling us it's going in the right direction. But slowly, without maybe us even noticing it, it's becoming toxic. To the point where it's not only poisoning me, it's poisoning the other person in the relationship. And ultimately, it's poisoning my relationship with God. Those are the friendships, those are the relationships that we're trying to address in this series that we've been trying to address for the last couple of weeks and this morning. These are not the relationships that are like jumping into a pool of battery acid. That's that's not what we're talking about. These are the friends, these are the relationships that we think, you know what, that's a good one. It's like drinking from a pool or from a well of, of good, clean, fresh water, but underneath, without us knowing it, there is a barrel of toxic waste that is beginning to slowly poison and toxify that relationship that friendship is what this series is about and we're just trying to see meet any need that Jesus is I'm talking about how if we're using our friends our relationships to meet any need that Jesus is supposed to meet in the follower of, he, of Jesus's uh, uh, that person's life then that relationship is becoming toxic we talked about those things uh, those needs being things like uh, stability security and perfect companionship and we talked about if we're having our friends fill those needs instead of Jesus we're probably seeing that relationship become toxic. And then in week two, we, we kind of took it a step further. We said that in the event that we are having our relationships, our friends fill roles in our life that really Jesus himself is supposed to fill, then we're allowing that friendship to replace Jesus in our life, and it's actually becoming an idol. And it's becoming toxic to us, toxic to them, and again, toxic in our relationship to Jesus. Because, let's face it, Jesus paid a very high price for us to be friends with God. He paid a very high price for that relationship to be possible. And, and because he paid such a high price, he refuses to take second place. And if Jesus isn't first in our lives, he's, well, he's really nothing in our lives. So Jesus has to be first if we're following him. So at the end of week two, we were kind of left with the question, okay? What now, right? I mean, what's next? So you've told us all of these things that can be toxic are toxic. What what toxic relationships look like in the first two weeks, but what about a healthy one? What is a healthy relationship supposed to look like? And last week we tried to begin answering that question that if friendships are designed by God, if they're designed by God, what is a friendship meant to be? What is that relationship supposed to look like? And last week, Harley gave a really good example or talked about what friendships are meant to look like from the perspective of me and I, the kind of the first person perspective. What are my responsibilities inside of the relationship? What should I bring to the party? How am I supposed to act? And in that regard, he took a great example out of the, uh, of the New Covenant where there were four friends who took their uh, their friend that all four of them had, their, that fifth friend who had been crippled since birth, and they literally carried him to Jesus. They literally carried that friend and placed him at the feet of Jesus. So they got him closer to Jesus. But friendship isn't a one-way street, right? I mean, any relationship that you have that is, feels like a one-way long, it's not a one-way street. What should I expect from the other person in the relationship? So last week we talked about my responsibilities. This week we want to look or we want to talk about what is your end of the bargain. What is your place in the relationship look like to me? Now I've got to be very honest with you. If you would have just listened to the first two weeks of this series and you would have stopped at the first two weeks of this series, it would have been very, very easy for you to walk away thinking that we were trying to say you do not need Friends, you just need Jesus, Jesus and Jesus alone. And you don't need any type of relationships beyond your relationship with Jesus, which is one of the reasons we say all the time, please take each message in a series and listen to it. Even if you're not here on a Sunday or watching us online, then catch it during the week on SoundCloud or on Facebook or YouTube because uh, each message kind of props up the next message in the series because nothing could be further from the truth. We in no way are saying that we do not need relationships in addition, or we don't need relationships, in addition to our connection with Jesus. In fact, not only that, God actually extinguishes that idea within the first two chapters of the Bible. In the first two chapters of the Bible, God basically says, no, you, need, you need relationships. You need those things. He does that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. This is what it says. It's in Genesis two eighteen. Then the Lord said, It is not good, so obviously that means it's bad, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now we read that and we initially automatically think husband wife, man, woman. We talk, think of that relationship. And that context is accurate. But it also is in context of the human experience. It's in my DNA. And it's in your DNA to desire relationships. From the very, very beginning, from day one, from creation, from the moment that it all began, God experienced me, and he experienced you to experience life in relationship. He created us to experience community. It's a big word, community. And Jesus Jesus is a really good example of that himself, not only in Genesis 2.18, but in Jesus' example in the new covenant. He's 100% God. He has no needs, he has no no desire, he he doesn't experience hunger, thirst, um, being tired. He doesn't experience the emotions that I experience, he's 100% God. And yet, he's also 100% man. Please do not ask me to explain that, I can't. No one can, really. If they try to, they're they're just guessing, they're trying to explain it on our level. I can't understand that. But he's also 100% human, 100% man, and so he does have those needs that I have. And we see Jesus living that out in the New Covenant in the four Gospels because he experiences community. Jesus lives his life experiencing community. He has a community of, uh, of followers. He has some very close friends who are not considered the you know, 12 disciples. We think about them, and Then there's other very close friends. He has family. Jesus experiences his life, his 33 years here on this earth, in his humanity in community. And that's the reason it is so important to us here at Stuttgart Harvest Church. In fact, it's so important, it's one of our core values. It's one of our core elements. Community is one of our core elements here at Stuttgart Harvest Church. See, we have seven core values that we hope, if we kind of stay in line with those seven core values, that it will help us to accomplish our vision. Which, if you didn't know, which hopefully you do, our vision, it's going to be on the screen, our vision is we are trying to change lives We're wanting to see lives change by loving the Father, family, and friends. Because that makes Jesus smile, and we want to make Jesus smile. So that's our vision. That's what we're trying to do here at Stuttgart Harvest Church. And one of the seven core values that we use to make that happen is community. In fact, when you leave today... As you're walking down that hallway, and if you're watching us online, if you ever have the opportunity to come back and be with us here in this facility, you can do the same. But as you guys are leaving today, walk down the hallway, there are seven banners along the wall in that hallway. They've been there for several months now. One of those, those are our seven core values. If you want to know what's our core values, there they are. They're in black and white or black and blue, I guess, in in, in our banners case. But you you can see those, and one of them is community. But we don't want to just... Talk about community. We don't want to just pay it lip service. We actually want to see community lived out at Stuttgart Harvest Church. We want to see community happen in this group of people. We want to see community, because uh, that's, where, that's where life change happens. That's where growth happens. We want to see community take place in a small group, a small group of believers. We want to see that happen in a small group. In fact, we're in the process of signing up for small groups. We're going to talk more about that at the end uh, of our time together this morning. We want to see community happen on serving teams. Something we did yesterday, we had the opportunity to serve 250 plus people yesterday, and that's one of the ways that we experience community. We want to be connected to a community because that's where life change really happens. That's where growth happens. Now, as a reminder, it's kind of a disclaimer. In this series, we have really specifically been talking to Christ followers, Okay, We've really been specifically talking to Christ followers and a Christ follower's relationship with another Christ follower. Somebody that has said, you know what? I'm putting every bit of my hope, faith, and trust in what Jesus did, Jesus alone. He's the boss of my life. I'm submitting my life to him. We're talking to Christ followers. We're looking at how those relationships look between Christ followers. Now, are we saying, let me get this out of the way, are we saying that a Christ follower should not have friends who are not currently following Jesus? Absolutely not. We're not saying that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. In fact, those relationships are extremely important for other reasons. But for this series, we're talking to Christ followers about their relationships to other Christ followers because these are the relationships that really matter. These are the relationships that Um, these are the deep ones. These are the relationships that can alter a life. They can alter your life. These are the relationships that that person makes a significant impact in your life. These are the relationships that can change your mind. They can change my mind. That's that person that can affect the way I think. They can alter my perspective. Maybe clarify it, maybe distort it. We're talking about relationships that you go to when life hits hard or You've got something that you really want to share, some joy that you really want to share with that person. Those are the relationships we're talking about. In fact, these are the relationships that Solomon was talking about when he wrote uh, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, uh, he said, and this is pretty straightforward and to the point, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble, right? That's pretty straightforward. There's not a whole lot of um, divinity that has to be figured out there. That's pretty straightforward. These are the relationships we're talking about with this series, and we've been talking about. So, the question of if we are supposed to have friends and relationships here on earth, experience life in community, that question has been answered. Absolutely. No question about it. We should have those relationships. And if last week we talked about uh, what was expected of me in the relationship, this morning we want to answer the question, what's re- again, what's expected of you? What do we need from the other person in the relationship? Now, again, as seems to often be the case, Jesus sets that example as well. He gives us that example as well. He gives the perfect example of what that looks like, what I need from the other person in the relationship. Jesus, he's 100% God, yet he's also 100% man. He has no needs he doesn't get hungry. He doesn't. He's not thirsty. He, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't experience emotions. He is eternally connected to the Father. In fact Jesus is equal to the Father. He is equal in his divinity to God. And for some crazy reason he gives it up. He puts it aside. He says I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give up equality with God. And, and Paul actually kind of tells us, gives us an explanation of why Jesus did that. And he gives us an explanation of of how he did that in his letter to the Christ followers in the town of Philippi. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6, 7, and 8. This is what Paul says. Speaking, uh, Speaking of Jesus, he says, Though he was God, that's pretty straightforward, he was God. He did not think of equality With God is something to cling to. It's something to hang on to. Instead, according to verse 7, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Now, don't get me wrong. I like you guys. Y'all are great people. We can be buddies. I'm not doing that for you. You know, it's just I'm not doing that. I'm not giving up. If I am in Jesus' position, you guys are in trouble. I'm not doing that. It's not happening. Why? Why did Jesus give up equality with God? Why did Jesus give up his divinity to put on humanity? Why did he give up all the trappings of heaven for this? For this? Again, Paul tells us, going to be a lot of Paul this morning. We're going to talk a lot of Paul. Okay, Paul wrote like half the New Testament, so you can't get around him. So we're going to talk a lot about what Paul had to say about these things. But he said in a letter to Timothy, the first letter that we know of, that he wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says, this is why he did it. For there is one God and one mediator. Another word for mediator might be arbitrator, somebody that kind of brings two sides together. There's one God, one mediator, who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ, Jesus. Why did Jesus give up divinity and put on humanity? Why? So that I could connect to the Father. God's over here, I'm over here, there's a gap and I can't cross it. Jesus acts as the mediator, the arbitrator, the guy that brought us together. He came to draw me closer to the Father. That's why he came. That's why he gives up divinity, to draw me closer to the Father. Without this friend, Jesus, I have absolutely no hope in a relationship with God. I can't do it because he's over here. He's perfect. He can't look at sin, and I'm full of it, and I'm over here, and I have no hope of crossing that gap. But Jesus arbitrated the case. And really, we ultimately need the same things from our friends in the relationship, from that other person that I'm connected to, my friends, my relationships, my you name it. We ultimately need the same thing from our friends. We need friends who will fight for our ultimate good and who will draw us closer to Jesus. But again, the question, how? How can my relationships, the people that I'm connected to, how can they draw me closer to Jesus? How can they do for me what Jesus did for me and God? How can that happen? Well, I've got four things Um, and there's probably several more, but these four were the ones that kind of jumped out. The first one is this. Friends deepen our joy in Christ. That's the way they can draw us closer to Jesus because friends deepen our joy in Christ. I mean, think about it. What are your most joyous moments that you have ever experienced in your life? Didn't you want to experience them inside of some type of a community? I mean, uh, think about... I'm gonna use Netflix as an example. I know they're kind of like, you know, in a little bit of a turmoil over some stuff, but Netflix, you can get find a new Netflix series, right? And you find this new Netflix series is really good, you like it a whole lot, but as soon as you're done with it, what do you do? You call somebody and you say, Hey, I got this really cool series I'm watching. You need to watch it too, so we can talk about it. We experience life in community. Vacations. Another good example. You go on vacation. Let me rephrase that. If you are anything like my family, and my wife is over there, so she's not going to hear this. If you are anything like my family, when you won't go on vacation, you're going to do one thing above everything else. We'll spend money. Then the second thing you're going to do, you are going to take an incredible amount of pictures, right? Maybe I'm the only one, or maybe my wife's the only one. You're going to take a lot of pictures. Um, Beth and I and and the girls, we just got back from Walt Disney World, the first part of August. And if you've never been to Walt Disney World, let me give you a picture of what's going to happen, okay? You're going to go in Walt Disney World. You're going to be in one of those parks. You're going to be bopping along. You know, you're going to be just everything's happy, happiest place on earth, all that good stuff, right? So you're going to be on one side of the park, and your wife... Who has this app on her phone that's gonna show you? Uh, uh, and some of you have ever been to this world, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to have this app on your phone. It's gonna have a picture of the park and it's gonna have each ride and it's gonna tell you wait times, right? It's gonna tell you wait times. These are important. Wait times are important. And your wife is gonna say, Cole, in my case anyway, maybe not yours. Hopefully your wife doesn't say that. Cole, you're not gonna believe it. Rock and roller coaster only has a 20 minute wait. And we're gonna start running to Rock and Roller Coaster. But, and this is where the rub happens, as you're going to Rock and Roller Coaster to catch that 20-minute your own business, you're gonna see these people standing in the middle of nowhere, just standing there, minding their own business, and they're gonna have these brown vests on, and they're gonna be holding a camera. And if your wife or your husband or whatever is anything like mine, it is going to be like a moth to the flame. And they're going to be drawn into that person because they are taking pictures. And you're going to get your picture taken. And you're going to get your picture taken so many times as you're trying to get from one side of the park to the other side of the park to catch that 20-minute wait. Guess how long that wait's going to be when you get there? 60. But you got those pictures. Now, why do you do that? Because you want to experience things in community. You want to share joy. Some would say, well, I want that picture so I can remember my trip. And that's true, I guess. Here's why I think we take pictures. So that when we get joy, those pictures on Facebook. And we can share those pictures with other people. And we can experience that joy together. Because we want our community to share our joy. Christmas. Nobody wants to celebrate Christmas alone. Nobody wants to celebrate birthdays alone. We want to celebrate inside of a community because our deepest joys are shared joys. And we can only accomplish those shared joys inside community. And that's a big part of what our friends can do as they're drawing us closer to Jesus. Now, the second thing they can do, our friends, they, they, they need to go to battle with us, right? They need to go to battle with us. There's been a war raging since the beginning of time. It was raging during the time of, uh, of, of uh, Moses, David, Jesus. It's still going on. There's a battle that has been raging, a war that has been raging, and it's still raging because the evil one is only speaking in lies, and he's accusing God, and he's accusing people that are calling on the name of God, and that's all he does is he lies and he accuses me because I'm a Christ follower. See, I've... I've began to follow Jesus and so when I started following Jesus that put me at opposite ends of the spectrum with the evil one in fact you might say I chose a team when I became a follower of Jesus I've chosen a side and so I'm part of that accusation and I'm part of that opposition as a result of that decision and not only that not only is the evil one accusing me day and night and he's lying about me and he's trying to get anything he's trying to just get into my life not only that The culture that we experience every day, it's controlled by the evil one. And then if that's not enough opposition to put the cherry on top, my flesh is still ravaged by sin. I still mess up. I'm forgiven, but I still mess up. That's a lot of opposition, right? That's a lot of opposition. That's a lot of opposition that a follower of Jesus is experiencing on a daily basis. Sometimes I feel like at every turn I'm experiencing opposition. Do you feel that way? I mean, maybe you do. Those of you watching at home, maybe you can uh, feel that way. Maybe different seasons of our life we feel like there's more opposition that we're experiencing. I know I do. I I, I experience opposition or feel like I'm experiencing opposition very often. And I've got to be honest with you. This is not going to come as a surprise to anybody. I am not smart enough. I am not um, uh, strong enough and I'm certainly not self-aware enough to be able to fight this battle by myself. I can't do it. I cannot fight this battle alone. And we need friends who will lock arms with us in this spiritual battle. Now, that sounds really cool, right? Lock arms. Sounds like we're fixing to We're going to lock arms and go to battle. That sounds really cool. But what does it mean? What does it mean for a friend to lock arms with me to go to this spiritual battle of opposition that I'm fi- facing as a follower of Jesus, practically speaking, what does that look like? How do friends go to battle with us? One way, encouragement. We need our friends to encourage us. And in doing that, they're going to be drawing us closer to Jesus. We need friends to pick us up when we're down. We need friends to, you know, be there. We need friends to share joy with us, as we just talked about. But so definitely, we need encouragement. That, that comes in the form of worshiping together, what we're doing right now, what we're do on Sundays, what we do at different parts of the week, that, that comes in the form of growing together in, in a small group community environment, that comes serving together. Those of you that were here with us yesterday, did you feel encouraged serving alongside other followers of Jesus? Probably so. We need our friends to encourage us. And the second thing that we need our friends to do as we, uh, the second thing we need our friends to do as we are, are going to, to battle with one another and locking arms as we go to battle With one another and this one honestly this one could probably uh, a little tension in this one you're going to maybe feel a little tension and that's okay we grow in the tension the second thing that our friends can do is they can speak truth in love to us speaking truth in love Um, this is the way john put it first john chapter one verse eight john says if we claim we have no sin we're only fooling ourselves if we claim we have no sin we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Let's face it, like just said, we, we all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all have things about ourselves that we wish weren't there. We all have weaknesses. We all have things that just aren't quite what we want them to be. And without a community of friends who are pulling each other in the same direction, which, by the way, is toward Jesus, without a community of friends pulling us in, the same di- in that, that direction, it is very, very easy. In fact, it is easier much easier to allow those mistakes to grow, to allow those weaknesses that we have in as a part of our personality, as a part of our experience, it's a lot easier to kind of let them get bigger and fester and get a little bit redder and a little bit angrier. It's a lot easier to do outside of community because alone, my tendency, I cannot speak for anybody else, but my tendency is when I am by myself, my tendency is to wander from God. That's my tendency. I tend to let toxic things stay, to remain, when I'm by myself. You can ask, uh, when I'm not good by myself. If I spend my entire day alone and by myself without a doubt, by the end of the day, I, I can tell it. When I'm by myself, I can tell that um, things, you know, I'm not the best in the best spirits at the end of the day when I spend the entire day alone. Because alone, we tend to wander. But together, inside of a community, my experience is it tends to be a little easier for me to be strong, stronger in my faith, stronger in hope, stronger in love. It just tends to happen easier for me inside of a community with relationships around me. So again, what do I need from my friends? I need people who are going to bring me closer to Jesus, and that's one way it happens. Um, James, who was the brother of Jesus, which by the way, this isn't actually in any of my notes. But uh, if you need any evidence to support that Jesus, uh, that Jesus was what he, who he said he was, did what he said he would do, and the people that said he did them were telling the truth, to me, James, the brother of Jesus, is the best example that you're going to find. And here's why. Think about it. James was probably the next sibling in line. So Jesus is the oldest, and then probably James was next. Think about it. James submits to his brother. I mean, I'm not doing that. (laughs) My brother's okay, but... mm, I'm not calling my brother my Savior. I'm not putting my full faith and hope in my brother. James did. Now, interestingly, though, James didn't do it during Jesus' 33 years. He actually does not become a follower of Jesus until after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. James actually rejected him during his life. It was not until he saw what he did on the cross, and then the resurrection following, that James said, okay, fine, I'm with this guy. And James ends up kind of being the, he's the, he's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He becomes one of the great leaders of the early church. James is a great, great evidence to support that Jesus is who he says he is. And this is what James says when he's talking about our friends speaking truth in love to me as a Christ follower. James chapter 5, verse 16. This is what he says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Wait a second. I thought we were only supposed to confess our sins to God. Apparently not. James says confess your sins to each other. Talk to one another. Let it all hang out. (laughs) Right? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. As a follower of Jesus, I need, one of the things I need from my friends, from my connections, from my community, is for them to keep it real with me. Be honest with me. Be straightforward with me. Tell me the truth. Keep me moving in which direction? Closer and closer to Jesus. That's how we go to battle with one another. Another thing that our friends can do, our relationships can do, they carry us in our weakness. They carry us in our weakness. So we're we're not always on top of the world. We're not always feeling great. Sometimes we're higher than we are at other times. Sometimes we're lower than we are at other times. But we all have experienced seasons where we're weak and where we're struggling. We need our friends to carry us in those seasons. This is the way Paul puts it in his letter to the church at Galatia in Galatians 6.2. He says in Galatians 6.2, Speaking to Christ followers, share in each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Share in each other's burdens. Carry each other. When you're weak. And he says not obeying the law of Moses. He says obeying the law of Christ. As brothers and sisters in Christ. We've kind of got a responsibility to each other. To carry one another. And lay one another at the feet of Jesus. When we're not able to. Carry each other in our weakness. Paul. In fact several several times. In the New Testament. In the New Covenant. He uses the human body. To kind of describe how it works, uh, how how the human body works, is a picture of what uh, our relationships of Christ followers should look like. He he uses the, the human body several times kind of as a picture. Uh, he does a lot, but one in particular is in his first letter to the Christ followers in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. He says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So everybody's a part of this bigger picture, this body, we're all just kind of doing our own part, we all have our own responsibilities as part of this body, this body of Christ. See, letting someone know that you see them and you see the difficulties that they're dealing with and you see the weakness when they are experiencing a time of weakness, that's part of being the body of Christ. That's really what a Christ-following relationship is should look like and when our friends are doing this for us when you're doing this for me then you are moving me closer to jesus and you're doing exactly what that side of the relationship should do the last thing that our friends can do for us or uh that your end of the bargain when it comes to a relationship with me as christ followers and my end of the bargain when it comes to you we need our friends to be there for us i heard the eyes roll Duh, right? Yeah, of course we need our friends to be there for us. That that one goes with should go without saying. You don't have to get real deep into the Bible to find that one. We need our friends to be there for us. It's it's simple, but it's true. It's very powerful. Again, Paul wrote a letter to the Christ followers in the, in the Greek uh, city of Thessalonica. I told you, gonna be a lot of Paul. But he wrote this, this letter to these followers in, in his 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.14. And it's, it's in this scripture that Paul kind of, everything that we've talked about this morning, we could really sum it up in this verse. We could just kind of, this is the box. Paul put it in the box, wrapped it up, put the bow on it. This is kind of summing the whole thing up. What do I need from you? What do you need from me as followers of Jesus? 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Paul says, Brothers and sisters... We urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. It pretty much wraps it up. Encourage those who are weak. Speak truth and love. Or excuse me, uh, warn those who are weak. Encourage those who are timid. Be encouraging. Take tender care of those who are weak. Carry us in our weakness. And be patient. Just be there. Just be connected. Be there as a part of this community. Now, you might have noticed so far in the last few minutes that we've been talking, you or I've been talking, I guess, you might have noticed that something about everything that we've been talking about this morning, and if you did notice this, you get the gold star. Let me know after church, and I will give you the gold star. You might have noticed how every single passage that we have read and it's true of every single passage in the Bible when it pertains to a Christ follower and that relationship. Every single passage. In fact, every one of Jesus' teaching do the same thing, basically. It always concerns a group. It's never talking to an individual. Every single verse that we've used this morning, every single verse you find in the entire New Covenant, it's always talking to Christ followers as a group. Never an individual. We're never addressed individually. We're always addressed as part of a community. We're always addressed as part of this community. Um, There are two areas, two arenas in our life as followers of Jesus where the Bible really encourages us uh, to be obligated To one another. So, uh, that word obligated literally is um, definition is to bind or compel someone, especially legally or morally. So, to to compel somebody to do something. So, you're a follower of Jesus, therefore, you have certain uh, responsibilities. There are two arenas that you are obligated to have certain responsibilities, certain roles, and certain uh, standards that we follow. The first of those two arenas that a Christ follower is kind of encouraged to be obligated to one another to is the nuclear family. That's the first. The nuclear family, we have roles in the nuclear family, we have responsibilities, we have standards that we are expected as Christ followers to kind of hold up to. The second arena is the church family. That's the second place, it's it's the church family. We have certain roles, certain responsibilities, certain standards, certain obligations that we're supposed to, we're encouraged to follow just because we're part of this church family. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Finally, it's something maybe not written by Paul. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The last five, six, seven months have been very, very difficult um, for us to meet together. It's been very, very difficult for us to connect to one another, to engage one another, to interact with one another. It's been difficult. Through nobody's fault, it's just been, been tough to experience life as a part of the community. But the writer of Hebrews makes it very clear it's important. We're supposed to do it. That's part of the deal. And through this entire series, this is the fourth week of it, through this entire series, um, the focus on every topic, on everything that we've talked about, we've always focused on my relationship with my friends. We've always focused on my relationship, uh, my relationship to you, your relationship to that person, your relationship to me. We've always focused um, on a singular relationship. But actually, for the Christ follower, what we really need from our friends, what we really need from those relationships, what I need from you, God's answer to our longing for community that was put in our DNA from the very, very, very beginning. God's answer for our longing for stability and our longing for connection. It's not a singular thing. It's not a me to you and a you to me. It's actually very plural. God's answer to that is His church. We're supposed to take care of each other. We're supposed to provide for one another. We're supposed to be there for one another. And in doing that, as followers of Jesus, we draw one another closer to Jesus. See, we we don't just need only an individual committed to us. What I need from my relationships, it can't be filled by one person. Filling all of the roles that we just talked about, all the examples that we just talked about, it requires more than just an individual. It requires more than your ride or die, or your hunting buddy, or your fishing buddy, or BFF. It requires more than that. Filling all of those roles that as a Christ follower we need from our relationships, it actually requires a community of people. And that community of people, Jesus called his church. So that kind of leads us to the what now? How does that connect us? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you as we move forward? Well, that, that's our next steps this morning. We've got two next steps. And, you know, you, you may not be comfortable with them. That's okay. But I would encourage you, these two next steps, these are, these are significant as a part of being in this community, being connected to these relationships that we obviously very, very sorely need. The first next step, and by the way, if you still have your connection card or if you have it pulled up on your phone, if you're watching, if you have it on your phone or on your device that you're watching on, um, on the back side of the connection card is a place for comments. So if you would, I have two next steps. The first one is, will you commit to becoming a part of this community by joining a small group? Will you commit to being a part of this community by joining a small group? This will be the last time you hear me talk about small groups until January of 2021. We'll not talk about them because they're going to begin. Our our small group trimester begins. But it's inside of that small group where we're in that community. We're engaging. We're interacting. We're connecting. We're growing inside of a small group. We have two different small groups. We have an in-person small group and we have an online small group. Both great, both the same, both equal. If you're watching us online, you may be connecting to the online small group, but will you commit to being a part of this community by being part of a small group? If you will, in the comment section on the back of your connection card, just write small groups and let me know, either in person or online. Will you do that? Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, eh, not quite ready for that step. I haven't, you know, I'm kind of new here. I haven't really been, I don't know, you guys may be a little weirder than I think, and that's okay, because we are. Um, But (laughs) the other one would be this. If maybe that's too big of a step, the small group thing, that's too big of a step, okay? Will you commit then to being a part of the community, being connected and engaged in these relationships? Will you commit to being part of a serving team? Specifically, will you serve with us October 10th and October 17th at the Pumpkin Patch? Will you do that? Will you help us serve our community? Will you help us love our community and in doing that, be a part of a serving team where you, too, can get those relationships. Will you do that? If so, just write on the back of your connection card, Pumpkin Patch. Yeah, I'm going to serve. Maybe you want to do both. That's great, too. There's plenty of room. You can write on the margins. I'll read. I'll find it. Will you do that? Will you connect with us by either joining a small group or being a part of the Pumpkin Patch and serving our community and doing that? Because if we go it alone, if we go it alone, we're destined to fail. And God knew that. He knew that. And he had a plan to take care of it. And that plan, that plans us. That plan's this. It's this group of people. God's plan to fulfill our needs in relationships and in community is his church. Let's pray. Jesus, we knew that alone, um, we know that we're weak. We know that alone we more easily wander from you. And, and God, we just we know that we're vulnerable to the accusations and the lies of the evil one when we're alone. We just ask today that you would help us to commit to experiencing community that you've given us, which is your church. And God, we just ask that you would give us friends who carry us when we're weak, encourage us when we're in need. But most of all, God, this morning we ask that you would make this community of believers. This community of believers, Stuttgart Harvest Church, God, make us a community that draws people closer to you. Amen.